We start out week 173 by listening back to what was a lively group of Iowa State trash talkers this past week. Take a listen. Now, what did you call Petrus earlier? You called. You said something. You called. Uh, something? I, it was what a was broken it? jugs machine. <laughs> a bro- say that again. A broken jugs machine. A. Br- <laughs> but to be fair, that line is actually taken from Chris Hassel, who works for CBS. He's a big He's time hawk fan. fan. I, I know. He called. Yeah, he called Spencer Petrus a broken jugs machine. Yeah, well, Chris, nobody cares about Chris Hassel. Okay, let's just establish that right off the bat. I like that quote, though. I'm gonna. Hang I, I'm on sure that you quote. like the quote. I'm a, I'm a big fan nobody, of that quote. Uh, yeah, but let's be completely honest. Brock Purdy hasn't been that great against Iowa, so he's only played him once, and he was good against. He well, was he was only he was good again in 2019. He's only well, played him once, but you guys scored 17 points. I mean, well, I, yeah, I, but I wouldn't say that. Yes, good. yes, he had two big, pl- and they were off two. He big also plays. had the la- he also had the last possession was taken away from him. I, I think it's a fair topic to bring up how Iowa State's going to move the ball against Iowa's defense. Iowa being, I would be in tight end you over the last five years doesn't change the fact that Iowa State's tight end room and now over is the last five, is it, is over the last five better. years though that's that's ridiculous right but are we playing this game over five years or are we playing this game on Saturday well, we're playing it over on Saturday, Saturday, Saturday who's got the better tight end okay room? that's not say we're it, not talking. say it out loud say it well, who's got the better all, tight ends who's got the better tight ends? the better tight ends collectively Iowa State yes but yes I, you do hold on a second. I am not going to sit here and let you trounce all over Sam Laporta. Okay, I'm not saying because he's bad. I'm saying he's one dude. Quarterback, quarterback. I would say it's got the advantage. Brees Hall. I would give a slight bump over Tyler Goodson. Okay, I, so maybe I, maybe slight, but you're 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 grasping. Not, this was the, it's I, not, remember Tyler Goodson was the first team All Big Ten running back last. And year, Brees so Hall was a first team All American. So I, I get <laughs> it, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think know. when you get to this, Tyler level, Goodson's good. Tyler Goodson's good. Hairs. Brees Hall is a little bit better. Tyler Charlie Kohler Charlie Kohler is better than Iowa's tight ends. <laughs> yes. All of them. He's he better is. than all of them. Yes, Mark. he's better than the best ones. So therefore, he is better than all of them. That is how math works. Oh. I know you guys don't do a lot of math at Iowa, but that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> the right. offense. Iowa State's offensive line is probably better than Iowa's right now. By the end of the season, we'll see. Um, but personnel wise, experience wise, they, they just probably are right now. Um, I was Iowa State's defensive line is probably better. The linebackers are probably better. The the backs, if you want to take line, like who's whose defensive line? I uh they're probably pretty close. Iowa State's got the better individual players. For Did sure. you just say Iowa State's linebacking core or Mike Rose by himself? All three of them are the, the linebacking group is objectively. Better you didn't. Than you, you really don't know anything about Iowa, do you, Levi? I know Jack Campbell. Did is you tall. watch the game this back this yes, past did. Saturday? Did yes, you I watch did. Justin Jacobs? Did you watch Seth Benson? Did you watch Jake Hummel? Did you watch Orion Vance? Like, <laughs> you want to just keep naming names, man? We can keep doing this all day. Uh, uh, I would say it's I, there's by every metric. Yeah, I would say it's by every metric. By every metric. <laughs> I swear to God, though, if they bring on if they bring on Ashton Kutcher, I'm I'm boycotting this. I'm. I, oh, they better not bring on Ashton. You, Kutcher. you just That'd said it was not disaster. fair. As long as they don't bring on Ashton Kutcher, he is the last choice. I'll give it to him. All right. What you got? What you got, brother? What you got? I, I need a question. What's the interview here? In your professional opinion, why are the Hawkeyes so bad at football? So I took the Hawkeyes plus four because they're going to lose, right? You know, four or less. I think the li- it wasn't a line three and a half, but I, I got you. It, it got up. The Hawkeyes are plus four, and I took it because, you know, Iowa State's going to, you know. So you got money on this game? Is that what you're saying? I got Yeah, I got money on this game. How much you got on? A lot. Like tuition. We're, we're talking tuition. How'd that work out for him? Yeah. Week 173 of Brada's Branded Thoughts is coming up. This is from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Are you a Hawkeye fan living in Story County? Do you feel isolated, like you're alone in a maze of red? Well, 
you're not the only one. And that's why we here at StoryCounty.News have launched a brand new section of our website, From the Hawkeye of the Storm, which will feature our weekly podcast, Brada's Branded Thoughts, as well as other Hawkeye-related content for all you Story County residents who bleed black and gold, or if you live in western Iowa, eastern Iowa, or somewhere else other than Ames, and you're a Hawkeye fan, we'd love your support. All of our content is free, so again, give our Facebook page a follow, give it a like, and give our Twitter page a follow as well, at From the Hawkeye, at From the Hawkeye on Twitter. The more likes, the more follows, the more support we get, the more content we can continue to push out, and it's all free. It's From the Hawkeye of the Storm, hosted by StoryCounty.News, for the best Hawkeye content in the area. Week number 173, and it is a good week to be recapping Iowa's game this past Saturday. 27-17 the win, Iowa over those Iowa State Cyclones, I mean Cyclones, and um, look, I am not, I'm not a guy, if you listen to any of our content last week over at Iowa at the Voice of College Football with Mark Rogers and company, I am not the type of guy who loves and embraces hate week, okay? Um, I think it is a, I don't want to say inappropriate term. But I don't think either of these teams should hate one another. Maybe there's not real hatred or vitriol. I don't know. I certainly don't hate Iowa State. But what I get tired of hearing is how, well, as you saw at the beginning of our show, um, there's this perception that if I don't come at you with the same trash talk that, again, you saw at the beginning of our show, that uh, I'm less of a Hawkeye fan or, or voice than someone else. That's not true. I'm trying to stay biased, and um, I'm trying to at least see things from a rational perspective. If you ask any of my closest friends, my family, um, about my feelings about Iowa football, they'd probably say that I'm the biggest Iowa fan they know. And I'm not bragging about that. That's just a fact of the matter. So let's let's trash that narrative or that notion um, that uh, I am not a true Iowa Hawkeye. I did predict Iowa State would win this game. There, there's that, and obviously they did not. Couldn't be happier that I was wrong. Again, if you watched our post-game show Saturday with Don Patterson, I said that several times. I've never been happier to be wrong. You heard Levi Stevenson of SB Nation talk with Mark Rogers and myself last week. And again, you saw a clip of uh, Levi earlier in our show during our introduction to this week's podcast. And Levi made it out to, kind of like a lot of Iowa State fans were making it out last week, that Iowa State owns some sort of advantage in almost every category at every position besides cornerback. And I had made the claim during that show that I thought Iowa's linebacking core was better. And I was laughed at, right? So... There's that. Uh, as you recall, Iowa's linebacking core did play pretty well on Saturday. Let's look back at the tape. It was critical. That's why it was the Big Ten punter of the year last year with Purdy. See if he has Andrew right through the hands of the receiver. And Seth Benson has another turnover. Third of the day for the Cyclones. You just said it. They're going to make you beat them. They're going to force you into mistakes. 
Can you be patient? Can you be methodical and work your way down the field? This time, it just goes right through the hands of Hutchison. They're sitting back, keeping the ball in front of them. And how about the reaction time by Seth Benson? So, if you didn't notice there, that was Seth Benson with an interception. One of Iowa's three linebackers who plays regularly. Well, what about the other two? Take a look at this one. They've shared them with their players. It's really moving. Ball is on the ground. A fumble, a scoop, and a score. It's another turnover, and Jack Campbell is in the end zone. An absolutely awful turn of events for the cycle. Yeah, that's Jack Campbell, the guy who's just tall. Uh, Jack Campbell scooped, scored a crucial touchdown in that third quarter. And if you didn't notice, who forced the fumble? Let's watch that one more time. He's right here. Watch him take on Allen, who's a big man at tight end. Takes him on, extends his arms, and then gets his hand right on the football against Brees Hall. Knocks it loose, and there's his cohort, Jack Campbell, to pick it up and walk into the end zone. Second turnover for Iowa State. The last one led to a touchdown. Yeah, that's Justin Jacobs. Iowa's linebacking core completely, completely outperformed Iowa State's. All right. Obviously, the cornerback tandem of Riley Moss and Matt Hankins burned them. Um, I saw some sign at college game day that uh, said the only thing Moss will be picking is his own nose. I guess that's true, uh, but Matt Hankins had two. So, um, this I said a preseason. If you watched my preseason predictions, I had said at the time that I thought I was cornerback group had the best had the chance at being the best um, of the Phil Parker era of the Kirk Ferentz era, um, at least the best since maybe two thousand nine. I still believe that. Do I think Riley Moss or Matt Hankins are future first round draft picks? No, I do not. I think both guys are future third to fourth round draft picks. When you have two guys who are athletically sound, who are disciplined in their assignments, and who have been around the block plenty of times in Hankins and Moss, and healthy, that's the key for Iowa. If you recall in past seasons, Iowa's dealt with a lot of injuries at cornerback. In fact, the last time Iowa played Iowa State was the game where Iowa was down... um, one of their two main cornerbacks, one of their two starting cornerbacks, and freshman DJ Johnson got burned in that game. And if you'll recall, over the past several years Iowa has played Iowa State, the only real success, sustained success, if you want to call it that, from Iowa State against Iowa, has been through trick plays targeting positions where Iowa was dealing with injuries. Now, that's part of football, I get it, but you'll recall the a double pass to Michael Petway in that game in 2019, and that was a result of DJ Johnson, who was literally playing for the first time in his career. And of course, later on, there was a fake pitch, which, you know, I'm not saying that's too intricate, but a fake pitch and a deep ball to Tariq Milton for a touchdown. And that were the only two, that was the only two touchdown scores in that game. And you'll see this under Matt Campbell that. Iowa State, if you throw out 2017, 2017 was weird because, first of all, it was the names. Iowa actually held Iowa State to 10 points until late in the third quarter, and then there was this explosion of offense. Iowa Iowa pulls ahead, Iowa State pulls ahead, Iowa pulls back even, and of course the Hawkeyes win in overtime. But that was a really weird 
quarter and a half to end that game, and it really kind of pushed against the grain of the series. But overall, Matt Campbell has had minus that quarter and a half, the, the, the second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter of 2017, Iowa State has not had any sustained success offensively against Iowa under Matt Campbell. So, yeah, I, I didn't partake in the trash talk. Last, at least I don't think I partook in the trash, you know, the uh, the trash talking last week. Um, but this team, this Iowa team, is better than Iowa State right now. And I don't care what Iowa fan or Iowa State fans want. Oh, you know, you you had our quarterback on the on his worst day. Well, guess what? That's why you play the game. All right, and the sample size is much larger now. Purdy is 0-2 against Iowa. Matt Campbell is 0-what? He started in 2016, right? So he is 0-4, right? 16, 17, 18. No, he's 0-5. Matt Campbell's 0-5 against Iowa. And I said to Levi Stevenson, I said, Iowa State needs to win. They have to win this game. And he, well, what happens if they don't? Well, what happens if they don't is the monkey on on the back of Matt Campbell gets fatter and fatter and fatter, all right? Okay, everybody wants to dog on Jim Harbaugh for not being able to beat Ohio State. It's Ohio State. Iowa State hasn't beaten Iowa under Matt Campbell, all right? That, I'm not saying Matt Campbell has been, he's turned that program around, but anybody who wants to to act like Matt Campbell is the second coming, um, is not facing reality of the fact that he doesn't even own the state of Iowa, let alone um, his, in its respective conference with Oklahoma uh, still reigning um, as top dog in that conference. So I'm not trying to make up for lost time with this uh, this little rant about Iowa State, but um, as far as the game on Saturday was concerned, um, what a tremendous effort by Iowa's defense. You know, we talked about this last week. Um, after the Indiana win, we saw Riley Moss with two pick sixes. We saw, you know, a, a pass rush that I actually thought was okay through most of the game. I thought it, it sort of fell off in the second half, and that was something that I was hoping Phil Parker would address and Kelvin Bell, of course, the defensive line coach for Iowa. And I think they did. This defensive line, if you watch this game back Saturday, they completely they owned Iowa's O line or Iowa State's O line. Excuse me. Um, Brees Hall was held to. A pedestrian, what, 60, 70 yards, whatever it was. Um, Iowa really put pressure on Purdy throughout the day, and Purdy made some bad, you know, bad throws. I, I get it. The throw uh, to Matt Hankins, the first pick deep down the field, was a, a bad throw. It was one on one coverage, but Hankins was with him. Hankins maybe got away with a little bit of a hold there, tugging the jersey of, uh, I believe it was Aiden, or uh, I believe it was Hutchinson, Xavier Hutchinson, uh, the wide receiver there. Um, but overall, Iowa's defensive line put pressure on Purdy. I thought Joe Evans played really, really well watching that tape back this week. I thought he really, he's playing bigger than he is right now. He reminds me a lot of like a Parker Hesse, maybe even a little bit, I'm not saying better than Parker yet, but I'm saying overall, as far as a pass rusher, I think he might be a bit better than Parker Hesse in that category. I think Parker for his kind of undersized self, really developed into a good run stopper, and Joe probably needs to work on that some more. But Joe is a tremendous pass rusher, and him being undersized doesn't seem to affect him one bit. I thought Deontay Craig played well. We saw Noah Shannon. Um, I think he's playing really well right now on the inside. Logan Lee is uh, holding his own, it seems like. I don't see any 
gaping holes right now for Iowa's defensive line. And that was a concern from a lot of people. I wasn't one of those people that was wildly concerned about Iowa's defense, uh, let alone the defensive line, but it was a concern. Um, yeah, YA Black is playing right now. Um, you know, you've got Zach Van Valkenburg. You know what you're going to get out of him. Tons of energy. That guy just runs until he drops, um, and we haven't seen him drop yet. This is an Iowa defensive line that I think can be really good by season's end. It's already good. I think it's already good. I mean, it really is. John Wagner, another guy I missed. And here's what's interesting. I know we've been talking about Iowa's defense these past two weeks, and rightfully so. And that's why Iowa's 2-0. There's no question about it. But you look at Iowa from an injury standpoint. This is the more... I, I don't recall two weeks into a season an Iowa team being this healthy. I really don't. Now, we'll see who plays on Saturday against Kent State. But the only significant injury Iowa has had to deal with right now during the season has been Kyler Schott. And it was a significant injury. We, we said it at the time. That was a significant injury for the interior of an offensive line that is young and, and inexperienced. But everybody else has stayed healthy. Charlie Jones got banged up week one. He came back, played Saturday. Tyler Linderbaum got beat up week one. He came back, played Saturday. Same with Spencer Petras. Iowa has stayed healthy, which is something Iowa has not... Last year, I mean, think of weeks one and two. You're down Seth Benson and Jack Campbell. That is huge to be down two guys at one very crucial position group for this Iowa uh, defense. So health has been a huge part of Iowa's success these first two weeks. And, um, you know, you you look at week one against Michael Penix, you might want to, you know, you look at it and say, well, he had a bad day. You know, maybe the ACL was bothering Penix and and keeping him from, you know, really unleashing that offense. Well, now we have two weeks of basically the same result. I mean, both guys throw three picks. Both guys get benched. Um, this, This has been an incredible start for this defense. And again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn on this, but I did say preseason, I said, I am not worried about the secondary. I had people saying secondary is a concern. It's always a concern. And I'm not the only one who said this, but there was no reason for concern with this secondary. Injuries could happen. They could always happen. But this secondary led by, again, Matt Hankins, Riley Moss, Kayvon Merriweather, Jack Kerner, Dane Belton, and Justin Jacobs. We talked about him uh, a few minutes ago. That kid is playing his tail off right now. All right. Remember, he was a highly touted uh, recruit, and we're starting to see why I was having a problem um, keeping him off the field. Because how do you balance that? I mean, Dane Belton clearly deserves to play, but Justin Jacobs clearly deserves to play. And I think, again, if both those guys can stay healthy, man, that makes your your defense so much more flexible. It can shift you back into the traditional 4-3. It can uh, you know shift you into a cash or, or as... Uh, Don Patterson likes to say a nickel defense, the four two five. Um, obviously, I think Cash is a little bit more hybrid because Dane Belton's not a natural corner, which typically with a nickel defense you have a uh, a third corner on the field. Um, but again, this secondary right now, in my opinion, is playing at an elite level. Iowa has the two best wins overall, if you combine the two, in the country. All right. Certainly, Clemson's loss to Georgia. That that Georgia win was huge, week one. Um, Oregon on the road at Ohio State. Those are both better wins at this point in the season. But Iowa is the only team that's done it twice. All right, And one of those games have been on the road against a team who was in the top 10. Okay, So, you know, we'll see what happens with Iowa State and Indiana. I, 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 
I feel confident that both those teams will still finish. I think they'll just. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, Michael Penix, you know, we'll see with him. I mean, his health to me is a question because he's dealt with injuries his entire career, and now coming off the torn ACL, he didn't look comfortable week one. But how much of that was Iowa's defense? So. I think both of those teams, Indiana and Iowa State, will be just fine. Those will be tremendous wins for Iowa's resume come late November. And now you have two weeks for Iowa where you have an opportunity to grow offensively. We heard from Kirk Ferentz yesterday who basically made the statement that he's not concerned right now with the Iowa offense. He's interested in the Iowa offense. Kind of an interesting uh, use of terminology there. But I think his point is, look, it's week two. We've got a really inexperienced offensive line with one of our veteran players, Kyler Schott, just now coming back. And by the way, Kyler Schott is on the two deep. Kirk Ferentz did state Tuesday that he would play. Um, didn't surprise us on Saturday morning, early in the morning. We were, of course, if you're following our live coverage over at the Voice of College Football, we were giving you live coverage from around Jack Trice Stadium throughout ESPN College Game Day festivities and, of course, tailgating festivities. That was a, a fun time. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't watched that, you certainly can go back and do that through the Voice of College Football on YouTube. But we talked to Kyler Schott's girlfriend, who basically said at the time, he's going to play next week. And that's tremendous news. If for some reason something happens, he's not able to play this week, look, he's got time. You've got Maryland here in, what, two and a half weeks? Um, I think that Kyler Schott coming back makes a huge difference and they're going to need him come Big Ten season. And so, you know, if he can play against Kent State, can play against Colorado State, that gives him some time to get his feet under him again. That would be tremendous. Um, if Cody Enns can stay healthy, we talked to his girlfriend as well at that event. Um, and then, of course, Tyler Linderbaum. Those three on the inside, I think, are rock solid. Then comes the question, who plays primarily on the outside? Do you filter is Justin Britt ready to take on a you know a rotational role on the outside probably not it's probably going to be Connor Colby um you know Mason Richmond obviously has that left side anchor down I think right now Jack Plum Nick DeYoung maybe you just filter those four guys in and out but I think Iowa needs stability and I'm not trying to blame all of Iowa's offensive woes against this offensive line but I go back to what Kirk Ferentz his program is built on, at least on the offensive side of things, and that is running the football. We know Iowa has not ran the ball effectively year in and year out like you know the national narrative would have you think. But Iowa needs the run to open up the pass. And I'm not saying that, that Spencer Petrus has played well. I think he's played okay overall. I really do. I mean, he hasn't put up great numbers, but he also hasn't thrown any picks. Um if he can get a run game that's somewhat sustainable, you've got a great couple of running backs in Ivory Kelly Martin and Tyler Goodson back there right now. They just need stability along that offensive line. Maybe Kyler Schott can provide a level of, of stability along that offensive line. Um, because again, last year you look at Tyler Linderbaum, Kyler Schott, Cody Ince, those guys really played well on the interior. And, you know, you just wonder, I, I haven't looked and I'm not an offensive line guru. I don't. I can't really tell you. I can't really give a grade to Justin Britt how he's played on the inside. But Kyler Schott's got to be an upgrade, just given his experience. Um, and uh, you know, again, he 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 proved himself last year and the year prior, really. Um, so the offensive line getting healthy and maybe finding some stability will help. Um, the good news is Iowa does not have a problem on the offensive line like they did in 2000. What was that? 2019 
uh, or was that 2000? I believe that was 2019, right? The Paulson twins. They had issues. That that offensive line had issues, and it started with the guard play for Iowa. They were just getting destroyed. I mean, Penn State, Michigan, and and again, against some of the better pass rushes in the country. But that is not an issue. I think this issue that Iowa has right now with the offensive line is more experience um, and just repetition. So these next two weeks are huge. If you can get Connor Colby more comfortable, again, Jack Plum, who, you know, we kind of look at him as one of the older guys. He really didn't play much until the second half of last season. Okay, Mason Richmond's a freshman. They can get these guys some experience. You have some stability now with your interior linemen and, of course, your center. Um, that will really help because Iowa needs to run the ball better than they have been. Um, Spencer Petras still receiver selection is a, is a concern. Don Patterson... Of course, he joins us every Saturday after every game over at Iowa at the Voice of College Football on YouTube. He's talked about that with Spencer. That's still a concern. Um, you know, I, I watch Spencer again from my television screen at home, and I see Spencer not always going through his progressions when he probably should, forcing the ball into Sam Laporta a lot. He's got to figure out a way to go through his progressions and make receiver selections that are advantageous for that specific situation i know that's kind of stating the obvious but that's something that spencer has not done and he struggled with his first season and what two games now so again there are concerns on the offensive side iowa i saw a graphic this week that iowa ranks last in the power five in total offense part of that is the competition i think i indiana's defensive backs were solid um, iowa state's defense as a whole is really solid those numbers should help, you know, be assisted by playing Kent State and Colorado State. But Iowa clearly has work to do. There's no question about that. They have work to do. Um, and these next two weeks are huge to be able to get that done. Kent State is 1-1 is, uh, one one right now. They beat VMI last week. Um, actually, they were hanging around number 6 Texas A&M week 1. It was 10-3 at halftime. And then Texas A&M scored 31 straight in the second half. Kent State's not going to be intimidated by this crowd. Don Patterson sent me a text message during the week this week and basically said just that. Uh, if you think Iowa's going, or you think Kent State's going to be intimidated by 70,000 when they've already seen 100,000, you're wrong, or 90,000, however many they have down there at College Station. So um, Kent State brings an interesting, um, you know, they've got a quarterback who's got a good arm. Um, he's a guy who can scramble. He's your typical Mac guy, I think, back to. Uh, Iowa playing the, the second Gabbert brother, uh, I believe it was, what, Miami, Ohio, um, a couple of years back. Kind of similar. Good arm, can scramble, but again, he's limited. Um, and I think one thing for certain, if you look at Iowa's defense, uh, they are taking advantage of every 50-50 ball that's thrown up right now, and that's huge, obviously. Um, the one thing about Kent State that, that people are talking about is Kent State does lead the country right now. In turnovers, or excuse me, in interceptions. I believe they have eight. Iowa has six. That's insane. Eight interceptions, three against Texas A&M, three against Kent State. They've played, or excuse me, three against VMI. They've played multiple quarterbacks uh, in each of their games. So that plays into it as well. But Iowa's going to, Petrus is going to have to really use this week. I think Kent State's a team who will give you uh, space downfield, but they'll also... They're kind of a, a sellout defense at times from what I've seen. Again, I'm no defensive coordinator, but they seem to sort of be all or nothing defensively. Um, again, eight interceptions, but they've also given up a lot of points. Gave up 41 to Texas A&M. 
Um, this is an opportunity for Iowa to play smart, clean football, uh, get a sizable lead, get some confidence for this offensive line, reps for the offensive line. That's the biggest thing. Get some confidence with Spencer Petras. And let's not forget, during that second quarter, I made the comment during the game and during our post game. that second quarter drive, Spencer Petras ending with the touchdown throw to Charlie Jones in the back of the end zone, that was a beautiful throw. That was an NFL quarterback throw. I'm not saying Spencer's an NFL quarterback, but that throw was an NFL quarterback's throw. And uh, he looked comfortable. Something just seemed to click with Spencer. Now, third quarter, fourth quarter, we didn't necessarily see that confidence uh, carrying over. Was that more because Iowa jumped out to a lead in the third quarter and Iowa kind of took its its foot off the, the gas, so to speak? Maybe that plays into it. Um, but overall, I thought Spencer played okay. Again, he did not throw a lot of picks. And he didn't throw any picks. He hasn't turned the ball over one time so far this year. So uh, that is something to be proud of if you're Spencer Petrus. All right, let's talk about Iowa's schedule moving forward. Again, you've got Kent State this week. You've got Colorado State the following week. You get at Maryland. If you watch my season predictions, I had Iowa after the Colorado State being 3-1 and one, with a win over Indiana and wins over Kent State and Colorado State. I had them losing to Maryland. For some reason, I, as an Iowa prognosticator, if you want to call me that, I am not allowed to pick against Iowa any week because I get ripped for it. I've got Iowa losing to Maryland. I've still got Iowa losing to Maryland. I think that's a tricky game. Now, I could choose my, I could change my viewpoint. Maryland plays uh, Illinois this Friday night, which will be an interesting barometer for them. Illinois has looked terrible these last two weeks, losing to Texas San Antonio, who is a good team um, this year, but you shouldn't be losing that game again. And also losing to Virginia, getting blown out to Virginia this week. So if Maryland blows out Illinois... That won't convince me any further that Maryland will beat Iowa, but it will solidify what I believe to be a good Maryland team. Okay, And again, I was wrong about the Iowa State game. I hope I'm wrong about, about the Maryland game. But the Big Ten schedule is the Big Ten schedule is workable, but I, don't get me wrong. This is a tough Big Ten schedule. It is. You get Wisconsin. Of course, you get Wisconsin on the road. You get Penn State at home. You get Maryland on the road again on a Friday night. They already got Indiana. Um, you know, and of course, Purdue right now, they haven't lost. I mean, we're, we're assuming Purdue is kind of towards the bottom of the Big Ten West, but I mean, they did go out and beat Oregon State week one. So I, I'm not sold on that. I think that's going to be a tough game. And I picked against Iowa in the Northwestern game. Um, at this point, I'd probably change my pick. I think Iowa's a much better team right now from what we've seen from both teams. But this Big Ten schedule is workable. I hear people saying all the time now, oh, Iowa's a favorite in the West. Can they compete with Ohio State? Let's pump the brakes on that. Like, Ohio State lost one game to Oregon week two. And yeah, I know they struggled against Minnesota for a while, but let's not forget 2015 when Ohio State lost week one to Virginia Tech and then ended up going all the way to the national championship. Uh, Iowa's in a position right now where if they can improve the offense to a point where it's a solid offense, not to be great, but solid this is a Big Ten West. I mean, I said I predicted before the season started, I thought I would win the Big Ten West. And you can go back and look at the tape. I, I predicted I would win the Big Ten West, and I do not predict that every year. But um, this is an opportunity for Iowa to take control of this Western division for the first time since 2015. And wouldn't that be great? But a lot of work to do. This offensive line has to improve. I think the offensive line improves. Certainly helps the running backs. And I think really will help the wide receivers. Don Patterson has talked about it. Iowa's got to get the ball to Tyrone Tracy more. Um, He's had very few touches so far. They've got to figure out a way to get him the football. 
Charlie Jones has looked good, but but Tyrone Tracy is your number one wide receiver right now. And I'd even say the same thing about Nico Regani. And I have to admit, I have seen times where Spencer Petras has just missed each of those guys. So, again, you can't put all the blame on Spencer, but the offensive line gets better. It will help everything else offensively. And, I, and Kirk Ferentz really talked about that this week during his weekly press conference. As far as the defense is concerned, can they keep up with the turnovers? Can, is this sustainable? I keep hearing people say that this week. Uh, this number, this sort of turnover ratio is not sustainable. I don't believe it is. Although I will say that Iowa did turn the ball over twice against Indiana. I mean, they, they, they turned the ball over twice. They fumbled the ball away twice. Um, and, uh, you know, they still won 34 to six. I believe they lost both those fumbles. Let me check that. Um, but the point is they still won the game. I know they fumbled twice. I guess it doesn't matter. They fumbled twice. We know that. Ivory Kelly Martin coughed one up. Tyler Goodson coughed one up. Ivory Kelly Martin's got to be careful. He nearly fumbled this past game. They rolled him down by contact. But um, it's going to be it's going to be important for this defense to be able to adjust to different types of. I mean, schematically, I think Iowa or excuse me, Indiana and Iowa State were actually somewhat similar. You're going to have teams like Maryland who are built more on over-the-top, deep balls, explosive plays, and Iowa's going to have to avoid... You have a very slim margin for error. If your offense is not able to move the football, the defense still is working with a very slim margin for error. I mean, Iowa turned the ball over. Iowa turned Iowa State over four different times. Iowa's offense turned it over zero times, and yet we were still sweating a bit with two minutes to go because had Iowa State made that field goal, it's a one-score game, they had an onside kick opportunity. So... Yeah, there's no question the offense has to improve. The defense has a, has a slim margin for error. Let's just hope these next two weeks go a long way in uh, improvement for this Iowa defense. Now, what to look forward to this week? We'll, of course, have our Iowa post game at the Voice of College Football over on our YouTube channel, Iowa at the Voice of College Football. So if you haven't already gone over there, subscribe. Go over to Iowa at the Voice of College Football. Subscribe. We uh, hosts live post-game shows after every game with former Iowa offensive coordinator Don Patterson. So we'll be on again this Saturday recapping what we hope to be an impressive Iowa victory over Kent State. And, of course, follow this channel because we will continue to give you coverage throughout each and every week of the college football season. And, of course, our week, what is this, week three picks now coming up. Uh, we will release those on Friday night. So it's been a great week. Iowa extending the uh, – winning streak against Iowa State and uh, boy I did not have a great feeling in, uh, about that game heading into it um, and Iowa proved me wrong so again couldn't be happier that I was wrong so again thank you for listening to week 173 of Brad's Branded Thoughts and from the Hawkeye of the Storm we will talk to you soon Iowa Kent State this Saturday Iowa looking to go 3-0 and oh. go Hawks <laughs>